0: Good and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephania Cox. Here are today's top stories. House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan issues a new subpoena related to former President Trump's indictment. He's asking for an appearance from a former Manhattan prosecutor who pushed to indict Trump. We'll tell you what the GOP is looking for as they probe this unprecedented legal case against the former president a delegation of Congress members on a visit to Taiwan amid rising tensions with China. That's as Beijing welcomes the top diplomats of Saudi Arabia and Iran. The withdrawal from the Afghanistan that left 13 US troops dead. The Biden administration now releasing its review of that mission. The White House says it learned a few lessons, but attempts to lay the blame elsewhere more rockets were fired into israel today and this time the rockets are not only coming from the gaza strip but now from another region as well and tennessee state lawmakers are voting to expel three democratic representatives after protesters flooded the state capitol last week a new subpoena related to trump's indictment is served House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan this afternoon formally asked for an appearance from a former Manhattan prosecutor. That prosecutor pushed for an indictment against former President Trump and even wrote a book titled People vs. Donald Trump. NTD's Melina Wisecup has more.
1: Mark Pomerantz is the former New York County Special Assistant District Attorney. He served under District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who's now leading Trump's indictment proceedings. Bragg told Pomerantz not to cooperate with previous requests from House Republicans. But in his subpoena, Congressman Jordan points out that Pomerantz has already discussed many topics the committee is interested in looking at via public interviews and in his book. When Pomerantz served under Bragg, he led an investigation into Trump's finances, but he resigned in February of 2022 due to Bragg's initial unwillingness to pursue a criminal case. Jordan accuses Pomerantz of putting political pressure on Bragg to bring charges against Trump. In his subpoena, Jordan writes that Congress's role is to use oversight to prevent political prosecutions because he says if state or local prosecutors are able to engage in politically motivated prosecutions of presidents, it could have profound impacts on how presidents exercise their powers. Jordan gives this example. The president could choose to avoid taking action he believes to be in the national interest because it would negatively impact New York City, for example, for fear that he would be subject to a retaliatory prosecution in New York City. The subpoena directs Pomerantz to appear before the committee on April
0: 20th. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., nephew of the 35th president, John F. Kennedy, is joining the 2024 race for president. Kennedy is known to oppose many policies of the current administration, particularly those related to COVID-19. However, he is running as a Democrat. He's the second Democratic Party candidate, joining Marianne Williamson, a best-selling author and political activist. President Biden is also expected to announce his run for a second term soon. According to a new CNN poll, though, just one-third of Americans say Biden deserves to be re-elected. Meanwhile, the Republican race field includes former President Trump, former U.S. Ambassador to the United States Nikki Haley, Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, and entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is widely expected to enter the growing field of Republicans as well. And a delegation of American lawmakers landing in Taiwan today. Chinese officials are criticizing the visit. The delegation's leader says the CCP even tried intimidating the American lawmakers.
2: Well, We're not going to let this intimidation you know, get to us. We all received the sort of threatening attacks. You know, uh, there was talk about a Chinese escort in the air, but we, that's just really intimidation, saber rattling.
3: That was Texas House Representative Michael McCall, chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. He's leading the bipartisan group of eight other lawmakers on a three-day visit to Taiwan. The Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, repeatedly threatened the U.S. for maintaining its ties with the island nation. China claims Taiwan is part of its own, even though the CCP never controlled it. Being here, I think, sends a signal to the Chinese Communist Party that the United States supports Taiwan. Uh, and that we're going to harden Taiwan uh, and we want them to think twice about invading Taiwan. The delegation is scheduled to meet with Taiwan's president on Saturday.
2: Meet with President Tsai, uh, talk about weapons systems that I sign off on, going into Taiwan, to harden Taiwan, uh, and are they prepared? Do we have enough deterrence? Uh, to stop, you know, the rush coming from,
3: China. Just a day ago, Taiwan's president visited California and met with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. The meeting gained bipartisan support. House Representative Nancy Pelosi said that the meeting between President Tsai of Taiwan and Speaker McCarthy is to be commended for its leadership, its bipartisan participation, and its distinguished and historic venue. Reporting by Arian Pastar, NTD News.
0: And changing dynamics in the Middle East. Iran and Saudi Arabia will be resuming diplomatic ties. The foreign ministers of the two countries met in China today for talks.
4: The foreign ministers of Iran and Saudi Arabia met in Beijing on Thursday for the first time in more than seven years. The two countries said in a joint statement they would launch arrangements to reopen embassies and consulates within the next two months. Saudi Arabia and Iran are longtime regional rivals in the Middle East. In 2016, Saudi Arabia broke ties with Iran after protesters invaded Saudi diplomatic posts there. But relations have changed after China brokered a deal between the two countries last month. This is seen as a diplomatic victory for the Chinese regime in the Middle East, where, for decades, the U.S. has been the main mediator. Saudi Arabia and Iran said in a joint statement, the technical teams will continue coordination to examine ways of expanding cooperation, including the resumption of flights and bilateral visits of official and private sector delegations, and facilitating the granting of visas for the citizens of the two countries. In recent years, the Chinese regime has been trying to position itself as a leader and mediator on the world stage. Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping discussed the war in Ukraine with French President Emmanuel Macron and European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen during their meeting in Beijing on Thursday. Xi said peace talks on Ukraine should resume, and Macron said he believes China can help bring peace in the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Reporting by Alison Lee, NTD News.
0: And sounding the alarm on China's ambitions to usurp the U.S., former President Trump stepping up his assertions, saying on True Social that he believes the regime is trying to displace the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. And he says that could happen with Biden in the White House and warned that it would reduce the U.S. to a secondary world power. Earlier today, I spoke with economist Daniel Lacaye from Tress's Hedge Fund for his thoughts on the current moment. Daniel Lacaye, welcome to our show. Thanks for coming on again.
5: Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Now, former President Trump and others have warned that China is trying to displace the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. China, Russia, and other nations have recently made moves to reduce their use of the U.S. dollar. What's your take on it? Is this underway?
5: There certainly is some form of agreement between Russia, China, India, Brazil, possibly, to uh, try to use more. The, the local currency, their domestic currency, in their international transactions, and that is absolutely correct. But the likelihood of the U.S. dollar losing its World Reserve status is very, very far-fetched right now, even with these moves. Um, these moves are marginal in any case. We need to start from a very important premise. is that the Russian ruble, the Chinese yuan, are currencies that have capital controls. Therefore, it is very difficult for any currency—no, it's not very difficult. It is impossible for any currency that has capital controls to be a world reserve currency. Our viewers may understand it perfectly. Uh, if you don't know if you will be able to use your own funds the way you want them, any way you want them, at any time you want them, uh, it's impossible that you decide to conduct your international transactions in uh, in such a currency. No, uh, so. That is one big caveat. The other big caveat is that the, to have a world reserve currency is not just a question of having a strong political will or some strong alliances. It is about having the confidence from local and international investors. And. So far, at least, it is very difficult to believe that global international investors are going to want to uh, originate foreign transactions, originate uh, lending, uh, finance global investments in Russian rubles or Chinese yuan, when, for example, the Chinese yuan is a perfectly fine currency, but but it does not trade.
0: But the US dollar's share in foreign reserves has been shrinking. So what do you think has set that in motion?
5: Well, the main reason why the share of dollars in foreign reserves has come down is fundamentally because we've seen a, a drop in the value of U.S. treasuries. But it's not just the drop in value of U.S. treasuries. It's been a drop in value of all sovereign bonds. The problem is that when you think about being the world reserve currency, we need, you, you need to think about what is the alternative. Hmm? And the alternative right now doesn't exist. The euro is a world reserve currency that has re-denomination risk. Countries in the eurozone may, for some political reason that we don't know right now, may decide to break up the euro, and that obviously would create a massive financial turmoil, but ultimately, the, the reason why there is no alternative to the U.S. dollar is because none of the alternatives have uh, diversified, open, and free capital markets, because in, in, a, in times of difficulty, as you very well know, The U.S. dollar becomes a safe haven not because it's a coincidence, but because it's the most liquid. The uh, I always say that it is the house uh, in a fire that has the largest numbers of windows and doors. So um, that's that is ultimately the reason why the U.S. dollar is the world reserve currency.
0: Do you have any takeaways for our viewers who may be concerned about this issue?
5: If investors or citizens are worried about the U.S. dollar being the world reserve currency, the first thing that citizens have to do is to, uh, is to show their confidence with their votes. Because if a government weakens the currency, as a fiscal tool, i.e. printing money constantly to finance large deficits, that is going to end up uh, putting uh, the dollar at risk. But if they want to defend themselves from the weakening of purchasing power of a currency, then you always have gold and certainly some of of, uh, the alternatives that are not in the fiat world, like Bitcoin.
0: Okay, thank you so much, Daniel Lacaye, Chief Economist for Tressis. Really appreciate it. Thank you. The Biden administration finally releases its review of the 2021 Afghanistan withdrawal. The White House denies that the withdrawal was chaotic and lays the blame on the Trump administration. NTD's Iris Tau has more from the White House.
6: After months of after-action reviews by the Pentagon and the State Department, the Biden administration on Thursday released a 12-page report summarizing the 2021 Afghanistan withdrawal, which left 13 U.S. service members dead. In that report, the administration defended his actions and largely blamed the Trump administration for not providing enough intelligence on Afghanistan during its transition. Here's what the White House told us at a briefing on Thursday.
7: Transitions matter. That's
6: the first lesson learned here. And the incoming administration wasn't afforded much of one. Thus, President Biden's choice was stark. Either withdraw all our forces or resume fighting with the Taliban. He chose the former. But Kash Patel, the chief of staff for the Pentagon during the Trump administration, told me that that's not true, adding that it was the incoming Biden administration back then who did not listen to their advice.
5: The folks of the incoming side of the administration, the Biden, were reached out to both by myself and the secretary of defense and so many others in person via email relentlessly. Half the time they wouldn't take our calls. We told them not to shut Bagram down. We told them not to let the prisoners out of the jail cells at Bagram. We told them not to let our special forces out of country.
6: The White House says that the release of the report is not meant to seek accountability. And the White House outright denies that a withdrawal was chaotic. Uh, but also defend that airport from external threats. Um, That's pretty remarkable. And so for all this talk of chaos, I just didn't see it. Not from my perch. Aside from releasing a public summary, the administration on Thursday also shared with Congress a classified version of the report. Regarding if and when President Biden would speak to the public regarding many of the lingering questions, the White House says it has nothing to announce just yet. Reporting from the White House, Iris Tao, T. D. News.
0: More protests at Tennessee's Capitol today. Republican state lawmakers have voted to expel the first of three Democratic Party representatives who supported protests against guns last week. The White House today condemned the vote, saying the protests were peaceful.
6: The fact that this vote is happening is shocking, undemocratic, and without precedent. Across Tennessee and across America, our kids are paying the price for the actions of Republican lawmakers who continue to refuse to take action on stronger gun laws.
1: She says the president will continue to call for stricter gun laws. Some House Republicans fear Biden might use the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives to do so. GOP representatives are calling to cut the Bureau's budget for fiscal year 2024. Meanwhile, in Tennessee, activists gathered at the state capitol before today's vote to show support for the three Democrats. Last week, activists protested guns inside the state capitol building. The three lawmakers led the protests, which is why some say they should be expelled. Critics called last week's event an insurrection. One of the three criticized state representatives for trying to expel them instead of focusing on other issues.
2: In the past week... WE'VE SEEN THOUSANDS OF STUDENTS HERE AT THE STATE CAPITOL ASKING US TO DO ONE THING, AND THAT IS TO BAN ASSAULT WEAPONS. NOWHERE IN THIS BILL DO I HEAR THE WORD OR DO I SEE THE WORD GUNS, AR-15s, ASSAULT WEAPONS, THE THINGS THAT ACTUALLY ARE TRAUMATIZING AND TERRORIZING THESE YOUNG PEOPLE.
1: IF THEY'RE EXPELLED, THEY'LL BE REPLACED UNTIL A SPECIAL ELECTION IS HELD IN A FEW MONTHS.
0: Over to California. Following the fatal stabbing of tech executive Bob Lee in San Francisco, the police chief offered condolences and said the SFPD is investigating the case. The victim's family also posted publicly on social media.
8: San Francisco police chief Bill Scott released a statement Wednesday night addressing a tech executive's alleged murder on Tuesday. The investigation into Bob Lee's death is, quote, still in the early stages. SFPD will not comment on any evidence or speculate on the circumstances around the crime. Scott says, I would like to express my deepest condolences to the family, friends, and loved ones of Mr. Lee. There is no place for this kind of violent crime against anyone in our city. In addition, SFPD investigators are working to make an arrest. The city's district attorney, Brooke Jenkins, also extended her condolences, saying she intends to hold violent or repeat offenders accountable. Bob's father, Rick Lee, expressed his sorrow in a Facebook post, saying he lost his best friend and son. They remained close even after his wife died in 2019. He said his son worked harder than anyone and was the smartest person he's ever known. Bob had recently moved to Florida last October amid concerns over public safety. His brother Tim also posted saying he's saddened and disheartened. He felt fortunate to grow up with him and felt like he's lost a part of himself. Anyone who has information about this case can call the SFPD 24-hour tip line at 1-415-575-4444 or text a tip to tip411.
0: Coming up, the Supreme Court weighed in today on transgender athletes in girls sports in the state of West Virginia. Find out how the law stands now after this short break. Israeli police detained hundreds of Palestinians who tried to barricade themselves inside a mosque. This triggered terrorists to fire a barrage of rockets into Israel. And now the rockets are not only coming from the Gaza Strip, but from another country as well. NTD's Jason Perry breaks down the situation.
2: Israeli police were met with fireworks and stones when they tried to enter the Al-Aqsa Mosque during Ramadan. Palestinians barricaded themselves in the mosque, and Israeli forces then entered to remove them. The Waqf, which is a Jordanian-appointed organization that manages affairs at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, said Israeli police used stun grenades and fired rubber bullets to try to evacuate the building. Israeli police detained and removed over 350 people. And just a couple of hours later after the incident... Terrorists from the Gaza Strip fired rockets toward Israel. They appeared to be fired indiscriminately with no specific targets and no one was injured during the attack. Israel retaliated with airstrikes hitting two Hamas training sites. And the Department of State's Deputy Spokesperson, Vidant Patel, commented on the situation. We are concerned by the scenes uh, out of Jerusalem, and it is our viewpoint that it is absolutely vital that the sanctity of holy sites be preserved. So why did the Israeli police not want people barricading themselves inside the Al-Aqsa Mosque? Well, it was the night before Passover. And according to the Jerusalem Post, Israeli police say they have an agreement with the Waqf to not allow overnight stays at mosques on the Al-Aqsa complex. The Al-Aqsa compound contains Islam's third holiest site. It also hosts Judaism's most sacred site known as Temple Mount. Israeli police have said that Palestinians who tried to stay overnight in the past were planning to attack Jewish visitors at the site during morning visiting hours. And the next attack on Israel was launched from another country. On Thursday, a barrage of 34 rockets were fired from Lebanon into northern Israel, according to Israeli Defense Forces. And of the 34 rockets, 25 were intercepted in the air, while five landed on Israeli territory. The location of the other four rockets is still under investigation. Reports say one Israeli was injured by shrapnel and another was injured on her way to a shelter. Jason Perry, NTD News.
0: The Supreme Court today denied West Virginia's request to let it fully enforce a state law that bans transgender athletes from women's and girls' public school sports teams. In an unsigned order, the court denied West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey's emergency request to let the state enforce the 2021 law. Justices Samuel Alito and Clarence Thomas dissented, saying they would have granted the request. Earlier this year, a lower federal court ordered the state to temporarily halt the ban against Becky Pepper Jackson, a 12-year-old transgender athlete who sued the state over the law shortly after its passage. Pepper Jackson has been able to compete as a result of the lower court's injunction and can now continue to do so following the Supreme Court's decision to deny the emergency request. And for more sports news, here's NTD's Dave Martin.
7: Thank you Steph. The Masters kicked off this morning with round one and that included five-time champion Tiger Woods playing in just his second tournament of the year. The 47-year-old got off to a rough start with bogeys on three of his first seven holes, but then rallied with back-to-back birdies on the back nine and finished with a two-over par, 74. Meanwhile, the early leader was Viktor Hovland from Norway, who finished seven-under. The second round will continue tomorrow. And in sports memorabilia news, a Babe Ruth bat from 1921 sold for a record price of $1.85 million Wednesday. The bat was known as the Polo Grounds bat, named after the stadium he and the Yankees played their home games in that year before moving to Yankee Stadium. Ruth hit 59 home runs that season, breaking his own record he set just the year before. The bat was previously purchased in 2018 for just $400,000, but after being photo matched by an expert to a picture taken during the 1921 season, its value quadrupled. Now while most bats in today's game weigh around 32 ounces, Ruth's century-old lumber checks in at a hefty 45 ounces. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, the NBA has five games on, featuring a Nuggets-Suns clash. Denver may have clinched the top spot in the West, but the star-studded Suns are finally healthy and are on a roll, having won now six in a row and in baseball because of day games and numerous weather postponements just two games on tonight but that includes the atlanta braves who have the second best record on this young season hosting the world series hopeful san diego padres and finally for your hockey fans big night in the nhl 28 of the league's 32 teams are in action including the vegas golden knights who now lead the hard-charging edmonton oilers by just a point for the top spot in the west they host the third-place LA Kings, and that's it for your sports news today. Steph, over to you.
0: Thanks, Dave, and that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night. <music>